Well, hey, Harvest, so great to be with you today, to be in God's house with God's people here in Rolling Meadows, and for each of you at all of our campuses, and for those of you who are joining online, we're so grateful for this day of the Lord that we can be together to worship Him. And, and hey, I get the privilege of uh, serving at our cathedral campus, downtown Chicago. I absolutely love the city and get to live there with my wife and our three kids. And, you know, last Sunday was... Was one of the coolest days in the city each year. And it's the running of the Chicago Marathon. And it's been two years since they've been able to do it. But if you've never been able to be a part of it, come to a Saturday night service here in Meadows and get there on a Sunday morning next year. It is the city's electric, just fired up and all the neighborhoods come alive. And it's so much fun to see all of these people running uh, throughout all of the work that they've done. And so nearly 27,000 runners completed 26.2 miles throughout all the different neighborhoods of the city. And, uh, you know, it's a feat that less than 1% of the population have ever done to accomplish that, to finish a marathon. But more than the distance that they cover and more than the fatigue that they experience over those 26 miles and more than the toll that it takes on a person's body to be able to run for that long, more than all of that to me are the weeks and weeks and weeks that are spent by each one of those runners in training. The Saturday mornings up at 5 a.m. running 20 miles in the pouring rain because you have to do that training. The 11 p.m. on a Tuesday night run because I just, when else am I going to get these five miles in? All of that training that happens in a person's life in the weeks leading up to the marathon to prepare them for what's going to happen on that October morning. You see, we all want results in our life, but we're not all willing to do the work that it takes to get those results. We often think if we believe it hard enough, if we want it enough, just if your heart is in the right place, then you'll somehow get there. We, we want the results, but we're not willing to do the work. We want to complete the race, but we're not willing to do the training runs. We want a successful business, but we're not willing to invest what it takes to make that happen. We want to learn to play the piano, but I'm not willing to spend the countless hours learning scales and chords and practicing all of that. I want the abs, but I'm not willing to put the cheeseburger down and do the planks. See, we say that we want God to do something miraculous in our lives and in our church, but oftentimes we are unwilling to do the healthy things in our life and in our church in order to see God move in those ways, to put ourselves in the place where the Holy Spirit can fill the sails and work in us and through us for His purposes. It's my prayer that we take a little step towards that today. And so let's pray right now and ask for the Lord's help in that. God, we are grateful for this opportunity to gather. We are grateful for your word that you give us, for the instruction that you give us each and every day from the pages of Scripture, the love that you have shown us through that. 
Father, we thank you for the wisdom that you give us in a community together looking into your word. Would you give us your spirit now? Would you be moving in our midst during this time to illuminate the pages of your holy scripture to us so that we may live lives that are healthy in you, that are more honoring to you? And would you use us for your purposes in this world for the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. So we are looking at Acts Two, so grab a hold of your Bible if you don't have it already. The end of Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is part two of Marks of a Healthy Church. And Pastor Jeff last week started this uh, portion of God's Word. We're looking at 10 of these marks. And he was supposed to take five and only took four. So now I have six. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm just kidding. But so we're going to move through these uh, pretty quick. But the last, the four that he covered last week, healthy churches love the Bible. Healthy churches really share. Healthy churches are for everyone. And healthy churches know that it's all from God. And what Luke is doing here for us in this passage of God's word is he's holding up for us a model of what a healthy church looks like. This isn't an exhaustive list. It's not everything that a healthy church should be or should do, but he's saying, look at this church in Jerusalem, at these marks of health that they saw in their people and the ways that the Lord used them in the future. Because the rest of the book of Acts, starting in chapter 3, verse 1, the rest of the book is all of the stories, the accounts of what God did through this church and through these people going out and the multiplication that happened. And all of it started with this model of a healthy church. And so that's why we're studying this together. Let's uh, read our passage together. I'm going to use the fancy TV and... Um, oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little awkward. Um, just don't, don't tell him that I did this. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, uh, our text for today, Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles'. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, Luke is showing us here the wonder of this early church. And I believe that we can do our best to put these things into practice, these characteristics that we see in our lives and in our church so that we can do a better job of making disciples for Jesus Christ. And so the first point we're looking at today, our fifth mark, is healthy churches are committed 
to prayer. Healthy churches are committed to prayer. You notice that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. This church gave themselves over to prayer. They believed and they acted like, Lord, if you don't move, it's not happening. Lord, if you don't work here, we have nothing. Because every church prays. Every church takes time in their church service, and they have prayer meetings in the evening at times and things like that. But not every church devotes themselves to prayer. Every Christian prays. Every one of us sits in traffic and thinks, Lord, please let all of these idiots get out of my way so that I can get there on time. Maybe I'm the only one that prays that way. But all of us pray. We ask the Lord to help us with this and give us peace and give us strength. And every Christian prays to some extent, taking that time to talk to God in the, as we go throughout our day. But not every Christian clings to prayer like they're on the face of a mountain and it's my only rope. Not every Christian lives that way. But they did. They prayed like this, and they saw God move through it all. We see this all throughout the book of Acts, and I want to show you just a couple of these. So um, this is Acts 3.1. This is the passage that we're looking at next week, so I don't want to steal a ton of thunder from our campus pastors. But uh, it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So Peter and John are going to the temple for a prayer meeting. They're headed there to pray, and a miraculous healing happens. Uh, next, jump ahead to Acts 12. Um, so Peter is preaching the gospel, and he's imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And so it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So Peter's, get this image in your head, Peter's in prison. And as he's in prison, there's a prayer meeting going on for him to get out of prison. That's what's happening here. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, bring him out means he's going to have him killed. The very next morning, Peter's going to be executed for his faith and for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. On that very night, this is the 11th hour for Peter. This is the end of the road. There are no more days coming. This is it. Peter is there in prison, going to be killed in hours. It's the last moment for him. And there's a prayer meeting happening. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And so Peter's being guarded this whole time. And an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And so this angel comes up and like maybe kicks him and is like, Peter, wake up, dude, come on. And, and Peter thinks he's dreaming. The, the chains fall off of his hands. He follows this angel out the prison doors. They open wide and he's walking out and he gets all the way out. I want to jump ahead a little bit. And so Peter comes to himself 
he's outside of the prison. Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from the hand of all the Jewish people who were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So Peter gets out of prison miraculously and goes to the prayer meeting that they had for him. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. The prayer meeting is happening. They don't even believe that their prayers are being answered as Peter is knocking at the door. But miraculously, at the last moment, God worked because they prayed. Okay, one more. All right, this is Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So again, uh, Peter was in prison a minute ago. Now, Paul and Silas are in prison for the same thing, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they're there, they're praying that the Lord would work through it, and they're singing hymns to God. All the prisoners are listening, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all still here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. Again, they're praying and God miraculously answers, not just freeing them, but saving the jailer and his whole family. It happened because they were committed to prayer and the Holy Spirit moved through it. You see, we often say that we want to see God do miraculous things in our life. We often say, God, I wish you would do more things in my life, like miraculous things, like we see in the pages of, of Scripture. But we aren't willing sometimes to pray the way that they prayed. Now, some of you do. Some of you in this church are amazing prayer workers, prayer warriors, and are praying this way. You're devoted to prayer. You're committed to prayer. But that's how we should all be. If we want God to move in our lives and in our church, we need to be committed to prayer in this way. If you're facing some things that you've never faced before, if you're asking God to do some things that you've never seen before, then pray like you've never prayed before. We want to be 
helpful and really practical. And so we, we like, like to give you all sorts of acronyms, acts, and things like that that help us pray and help us take some steps. So, so here's another one. You can write it in your Acts scripture journal if you want. Um, but uh, three things that I jotted down about increasing my commitment to prayer. Pray with frequency. Call out to God often. Pray with frequency continually coming before him as Jesus gives the example of the persistent widow who continues to come before the judge. That's how we're to pray, with frequency. And then pray with fervency. Pray with passion, with volume, with excitement. Muster everything that you have, the way that the Lord has built you, all of it to the Lord. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you were praying so fervently that you felt your voice go hoarse from calling out to the Lord. That should happen at times. I actually had it this week, and I was like, i got to preach this week, and I should back off a little bit. Like, there should be times that we're calling out to the Lord with so much fervency that it takes every ounce of physical effort that we have. So pray with frequency and pray with fervency, and then pray with fellowship. Get some sisters and some brothers around you. When you're facing that difficult situation and you're calling out to the Lord to work in some ways that you've never seen before, bring some people around you who love the Lord and say, you got to pray for me about this. you got to come alongside me about this. Do you have some things in your life that you're longing for the Lord to do? Do you have some people in your life that you're longing for him to work in their hearts and in their minds and draw them closer to the Lord? Do you have some ways that you want to see the Lord lifted high in our city or in our country? It happens through prayer, through a commitment to prayer in that way, because that's what healthy Christians do, and that's what healthy churches do. We're committed to prayer, and healthy churches are honor God at work. Verse 43 says, and awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They're seeing these miraculous things happen. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, again, talks about one of those. Next week, we'll talk about one of these miraculous things that happened. But the focus here is not so much what are the signs and the wonders that you're seeing, but are you in awe of them? It's not so much um, what's happening. Why don't we have a miracle like that? It's the miracles that are in your life. Are you experiencing awe because of it? Are you honoring the Lord because of that? You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had 93 baptisms in our church. 93 people who have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. And for some of us, we sit back and we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Way to go. Instead of being in awe of what the Lord did, instead of sitting there like, oh, yeah, we go to a cool church. No, our God is amazing. 
That should be our response. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with you or with me or with who was standing in that baptistry next to that person. It has everything to do with our incredible Heavenly Father who chooses to work and chooses to save and chooses to do miracles in our midst every day. And that's why we give him all. That's why we have reverence and wonder and honor and even fear because of what God has been doing in our midst and in our lives, recognizing the the patterns that have been changed in my life because of what God has done. Give him praise for that, awe because of that. Every decision, every ounce of what happens in our church and in our lives Because of God working, we will give him praise for every single one of those. We will take every ounce of God's working and turn it back to praise for him. Every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ, every kid who learns a memory verse in Harvest Kids and hides that word in their heart, that the Lord will bring that to mind when they're going through a difficult season 20 years from now. We will give him praise for it. Every marriage that's redeemed through our counseling ministry on Wednesday nights, every sinful pattern that's broken through our small groups coming around a woman or a man and praying for them and helping them through that, every single thing that God does in our midst, we will give him praise for it. We will give him awe because of it. Because healthy churches honor God at work, and healthy churches gather. Healthy churches gather. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They're selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together. They're together. They're gathering together. This verse is one of my favorites. Um, I want to jump ahead to this verse. Here we go. I'm still learning the TV. Great. Um, This verse is one of my favorites, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to good work, to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can I say something that's just a little bit uncomfortable? I mean, I got a microphone, you don't, so I'm going to say something that's a little uncomfortable, but I, I feel like it's helpful to get your permission for that. So um, there is an attitude in the church in America today of apathy, of great apathy. And whether you're in the room here in Meadows, if you're at Crystal Lake or at Aurora or the North Shore or the Cathedral or you're watching online, wherever you are, there is an attitude of apathy in the Church of America. It's not just our church, but it does exist in our church. There's an attitude, truthfully, of laziness, of like, the, oh, yeah, it's a lot more comfortable just to stay home right now. It's a lot more comfortable to to not step into a small group and make myself available and open my heart to some people. 
to, to not give of my time to sacrifice for another person, to, to serve in a way and, and to, to go outside of where I'm comfortable and to be able to step into relationship with others. And, and I know some people genuinely have some holdups because of, of health conditions or things like that, family members that do, but there's just a lot of laziness. And there's a lot of misplaced fear in our culture and in our church because of everything that's happened. Lots more people are more comfortable staying home instead of investing in a small group. Lots more people are, are more comfortable staying home more often. And so their monthly attendance, like frequency of attendance per month, has drastically dropped off in America, in the church. It's drastically dropped off. And we, what we are seeing is, again, not just in our church, but I have friends who are pastors in other churches, and they're seeing those same patterns. And it shouldn't be that way. We see in this verse right here, don't neglect meeting together. That's not just talking about come together on a Sunday morning. It is talking about that, but it's talking about being together in community, actively a part of community. And we will blame COVID, but COVID's the weapon. It's not the one wielding the weapon. You see, we have an enemy. And don't ever forget that our enemy's strategy is to deceive and to divide and to separate so that he can devour. Our enemy is a liar. And he is going to tell you that you are better off on your own. Better off for medical reasons, better off for comfort reasons, better off for emotional reasons. What if they hurt me? I've been hurt in the past by people. We all have. What if they hurt me? I mean, but there's a lot of people who are unwilling to step into community but are pretty quick to get on a plane to go to Cancun or to go to a Cubs game. I have Facebook too. I see it. It's okay. <laughs> and so we blame COVID. We blame the, the system and the pandemic and everything that's happened but we have an enemy that's wielding a weapon against us, and we need to recognize that. It, I love these videos of, um, of like lions chasing down gazelles. Here's, here's a picture of a lion and a, and a gazelle. I won't show you the video because I know some of you are like, oh, the poor little gazelle. Oh, man, I love these videos. I'm like, get him, get him. He's going to... Sorry, little window into me. But I, I think they're so exciting to watch these videos happen. Um, but who's the gazelle that gets eaten by the lion almost every time? It's the one by itself. It's the one who's chosen to, oh, look, there's some nice grass over here. See you guys. That, that's the one that's getting eaten. You can see it in the video. You're like, here it comes. He, look, look at him go. He, he's going to get it. You can see it. And that's what our enemy does. 
He seeks to get us off on our own. You don't really need a small group. Ah, it's fine. Don't go to brunch instead of church. It's fine. You don't need to serve anywhere. There's plenty of people who will do the children's ministry this week. Don't worry about it. That's what the enemy does. And over time, that weapon that the enemy is wielding of trying to get us on our own. Listen, 1 Peter 5, 9 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a what? A roar lion seeking someone to devour. This is not a surprise to us. Like God's word tells us what the enemy's plan is. But here we have allowed ourselves to fall into that plan and to be distracted and to go off on our own. He's trying to get you on your own so that he can destroy you and can tear apart the church. That's his plan. That's pretty much his only plan. Hebrews tells us not to forsake the assembling because it's a protection for you. Honestly, it's not so that we can be like, great, more people came to church this week. I mean, we love it when more people come to church, but that's, that's not the reason. The reason is because we love you. We care about you. We want to protect one another in a community. We're a herd together. We don't want any gazelles walking off trying to get their own grass and then get eaten. We're in this, it's a protection for you. That's why we gather. That's why we're together in these things. So healthy churches gather. That's when we're strong, when we're together. And then healthy churches are thankful. They receive their food with glad and with generous hearts. There is no entitlement for these believers in Jerusalem. They saw what they had, and they were thankful for it, even when things were missing, even when it was like, man, I wish the Lord would do that, and maybe he will later, and I wish I had this, but I don't right now, but I'm going to be thankful for what I have. Thankfulness is a choice, and it's a choice that they made. You know, two friends were uh, walking down the street and um, bumped into each other after not seeing each other for a long time, and one of them looked super sad. And so the, the other friend says, you know, hey, friend, like, what's been going on? You look so sad, man. What, what's up with you? And he says, well, let me tell you. I mean, three weeks ago, um, my, my uncle passed away, and, and he left me $50,000. And so the, the first friend says, well, wow, that's kind of a lot of money. Are you okay? I mean, were you, were you close to your uncle? Are you doing all right? And he says, no, it's all right. I mean, I barely knew him, honestly. Um, haven't talked to him in a long time. But, but then you see, two weeks ago, um, a cousin that I had actually never met before, um, he passed away and he gave me $85,000. And so the other friend's like, wow, I mean, sorry about these deaths in your family, but that actually sounds like you're, the Lord's kind of blessing you with some finances there and some resources. No, 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 you don't understand. Then last week, my great aunt passed away and she left me nearly a quarter of a million dollars. So now the friend's a little confused and he's like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, why do you look so sad then? This week, nothing. <laughs> Somebody said it sounds like a toddler. That's really good. Don't allow familiarity to breed contempt. Don't allow the like, oh, well, I don't know, Lord, what have you done in the last couple days? I don't, I don't know. To overlook all that we have to be thankful for. Thankfulness is a choice for each and every one of us, no matter what trial you're even going through right now. 
no matter what you're missing, no matter what your heart is grieved about that it was different, we have so much that we can choose to be thankful for. It's a choice. And it's so easy for me, it's so easy for us to fixate on that, that peace that we don't have, that thing that we're maybe crying out to the Lord in prayer about. God, would you do this? I just don't have that yet. I wish it was different. But be making the choice to be thankful for all that the Lord has done because Christians who are healthy and churches that are healthy are thankful churches. And then healthy churches have favor with outsiders. Healthy churches have favor with outsiders. It says having favor with all the people. Romans 12, 18 would say, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. That we're to attempt to live at peace, to have favor with all people. Now, sometimes we may not have favor in some ways because Scripture tells us that we will be the aroma of death to those who are perishing. And so there's times that our stance on what is true about the gospel will cause people to not have favor with us. But too often, we don't have favor with people, not because of our beliefs, but because of our actions. Too often it's because it's not because the message that we're communicating is offensive, it's because we're offensive. It's because the way in which we communicate that truth to someone is not done in a loving, compassionate way, but it's done with judgment and it's done in an offensive way. And listen, I don't believe, I could be wrong on this. This is not, this is not from God's word, it's just for me. I don't believe that anyone has ever been saved by a cranky Christian's comment on someone else's Facebook post. I mean, it's possible. I've, the Lord could do anything, for sure. He can. But I just, you know, I mean, somebody posts something about what they believe about vaccination or, or gay marriage or abortion or name whatever uh, issue it is. I, I just don't know that a cranky Christian posting on their comment saying, well, blah, 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 you, I don't know that that's ever won anyone to Jesus Christ. I don't know that that's actually what the Bible's talking about when it says the aroma of death. It's talking about in our communication of the gospel, not of what we think about masks, not about what we think about vaccines. It's, it's talking about the critical pieces of the gospel. Allow that to be the offensive thing, not the way in which I share it with somebody or the way I bring about my beliefs. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying at all that you should back down from communications and from conversations with people that you know about God's Word and about the truth of God's Word and about the gospel and about Jesus Christ, but just maybe, maybe people aren't so much offended by the message that we are trying to communicate. They're offended by the method in which we do that. Because favor is broader than agreement. You can have favor with people that you drastically disagree with. If you do it in a loving and an honoring and a compassionate way. So let's be loving, Christ-exalting parts of every community that the Lord has placed us in. 
Is your neighborhood better because you live there? Is your workplace a better place to work because of your involvement in it? Or would your workplace or neighborhood even notice if you were gone? Because we are to have favor with all the people as they did as much as possible. And then last, healthy churches reach the lost. Healthy churches reach the lost. This passage ends by saying, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amazing fruit happens in their midst. Now, we don't ever control who comes to Jesus Christ. But we do control how the lost are reached. We don't control if they come to faith, but we do control the reaching them. We do have the ability to go to a person and share the good news of Jesus Christ, and we are tasked with that as missionaries of Jesus Christ. We have plenty of ability to be able to do that. So who is that person who's on your prayer list that you're praying that the Lord would reach them? Who's that person that you're actively sharing the good news of Jesus with on a regular basis? That you're asking the Lord to save them? Listen, one of the amazing things that happens in the book of Acts is God uses this church that's healthy here to cause an explosion for Jesus Christ. The nations are reached. Humanly speaking, you and I would not know Jesus Christ if it weren't for this church. We wouldn't. But God used them in incredible ways because they were healthy in this way. And they reached the nations for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something that's so exciting to me? We live in Chicagoland. The nations are here. Listen, we don't have to go to the farthest ends of the world to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God brought them here. They're right here. They live on your street. They work at your place. They're in your school. They're, they're in that neighborhood next to yours. God brought them here, and we have an incredible opportunity to reach the lost from all across the world right in our own backyard. Now, will we step into that? Will we do the training run to put us in the place that God uses us to accomplish this race for him? What I want to do just as we close, um, I want to put up the list of all 10 of these marks of a healthy church and, and I think a healthy believer and I want to take a few moments, and I want you to look over this list and to read over this list and to take one or two of these things and commit that you're going to work on this this next week, this next season. Bring it before your small group. Because what can happen a lot of times is like um, if you've ever gone into the grocery store for strawberry jelly— and you walk into that jelly aisle, and there are 47 types of strawberry jelly. There's jelly, and there's jam, and there's preserves, and there's fruit spread. I don't know what any of them are and how they're related. There's seedless, there's with seeds, there's like 
all sorts of no sugar added and everything like that. And what happens to me is I walk out of Mariano's with no jelly because it's just so overwhelming. It's like when you go to Cheesecake Factory, that menu, I, what, where do I even start? It's just too overwhelming. So what I want you to do, it can be really overwhelming to see this list of 10 and think about the ways that those intersect our lives on a daily basis and think like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to start. So pick, pick one, pick two, and commit that we're going to take steps of action to grow in some of these things. Maybe you were really struck when we talked about healthy churches really share. And a practical thing you can do is just take a couple of dollars a week and put it in a drawer and save that for when you come across a person who genuinely has a need. Maybe it only adds up to like $15 but you can bless somebody with a meal from Taco Bell or something like that. It's a practical way to share and to bless someone. Maybe you were really committed and convicted when we talked about healthy churches gather. So maybe it's get off of the sidelines and actually serve somewhere. You know what? I, I, man, I used to serve in our parking ministry and I just, you know, this whole season and everything like that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to that. I'm, I'm going to talk with one of our pastors. I'm, I'm going to join that again. Or maybe it's, you know what, I, I've been isolated for just too long. I, I need to get back into a small group community with other believers following the Lord. And it may be uncomfortable that first time when I knock on the door and show up at somebody's house, but I, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it this week. Maybe it was convicting to you when we talked about healthy churches are thankful. And so maybe you can journal a list of specific things that you can be thankful for this week. Maybe there's some people on that list that you can be thankful for, and you could go to that person this week, send that person a text, thank you so much, because every time I see you, you have an encouraging word for me. Thank you so much for the way that you, you serve our family just so often, and I'm so grateful for that. Thank you so much for the ways that you were there for me during that difficult season, for the times that you've prayed for me, expressing your thankfulness to people. Because the only way corporately as a church that we can get to health in these ways is if personally, individually, each one of us take this upon ourselves. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 4, until we all attain we're going at this together, but it takes each one of us committed to the health of these things. It takes each one of us doing the training runs so that we can accomplish this marathon together. The book of Acts was chosen by so many of us uh, on our staff. We sat down with Pastor Jeff and talked about, like, wh where do we want to head for this next year? And over and over, the book of Acts came back. We're like, we want to be in this. And this is why. This is why. Because of the health of the church and how the Holy Spirit moved with power and worked in incredible ways beyond who they ever were. And we want to see that in our church. And we're believing that we will see that in our church, that if we take the effort to get the sales up, if we do the effort to put the training runs in, that he will show himself faithful and strong and will work beyond who we are and beyond the gifting that we have 
to change this world and this nation and this city for Jesus Christ. Every time I go to the doctor, they take my vital signs. They figure out how tall I am, which isn't a lot, and they figure out how much I weigh and my blood pressure and all of those things. These things are our vital signs, brothers and sisters. These are things that we look at in a continual way. Are we healthy? Are we stepping into these things so that we can help people attain to the measure of maturity in Jesus Christ? We so long to see God do something miraculous and amazing in our midst. We long for revival in our hearts and in our city and in our country and in our world because he's worth all of it. And it's going to happen with each one of us taking personal responsibility for our corporate growth. So let's do this together and be healthy for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your promises. We are grateful for this model of a church that's given over to you in health and that is used by you in such incredible ways. God, we long to be those types of people. Father, we long to be a church like that in continual ways. So would you fill us? Would you strengthen us? God, would you give us the ability to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. Let him be our model that as we face trials and adversity in this life, would we look beyond that and look to the reward that you promise us in eternity? God, would we see some of heaven happening in our midst? Would we be reminded of all of those in eternity right now that look on and that praise you each day that are in eternity because this church shared the gospel with them? This church was committed. And so, Father, would you use us beyond the the abilities that we have, beyond the giftedness that we have, beyond any opportunities that we have. God, would you light it on fire for Jesus Christ? And would you reach this world for your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.